SAFM is turning 84 this year. SAFM, leading the conversation. Life Happens with Pimelo Mutine on SAFM, leading the conversation. Of course, we keep celebrating women who are doing amazing things. And today we are celebrating a woman who has been awarded um, with um, a Discovery Foundation Fellowship. Um, She, of course, cannot leave now because, you know, there's lockdown and everything. But this woman, I think, is on to something really amazing. Her name is Dr. Sumi Thomas. And uh, she really is doing something really incredible in the space of, obviously, medicine. Um, And she is going to be looking at and doing a lot of research in the U.S. when she can eventually leave leave into the metabolism um, of people living with HIV and I think as well as people with with diabetes. Uh, I'm very interested in, in, in how her work right now is 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 being received because we've got a pandemic at the moment, don't we? So I'm really interested and very interested in talking to Dr. Sumi Thomas, who joins me now on the line. Dr. Sumi Thomas, welcome to the show and good afternoon to you. Afternoon. Thank you for having me. So when, when I heard about your, your future endeavors, I mean, it's obviously very, very exciting. But then I started asking, so where are you now? What, what are you doing now? You're still in South Africa, but where are you practicing right now? So at the moment, I'm a specialist physician employed by Helen Joseph Hospital. Mm. So I'm in the government sector. Yes. And yeah, I'm very excited to go to Boston, but everybody's plans have been changed sure. and adjusted. Sure. So, yeah, I'm just waiting till next year when I can go. Let's talk about your the work that you do currently in light of the mm-hmm. pandemic as well, because I think this is also going to inform your work going forward. How how are you experiencing the pandemic and, and how has it affected what you do? So I'm a frontline healthcare worker at the moment. So I work in the Department of Internal Medicine. Mm. I'm actually running a COVID ward at Laratong Hospital currently. Mm. So, sure, I think COVID has brought out some really positive as well as negative aspects. Mm. What's really hot, like heartening to me in the hospitals is you see a lot of teamwork. Mm. You see how people build each other up, how people work together. You make plans because this is all new. So people make solutions to new problems every day. And you just see how everyone's trying to help each other. Mm. At the same time, yes, it's been difficult mm. for all of us. Mm. And similarly, there are lots of metabolic problems with COVID mm. that are coming out every week. Yes. So it's also quite, yeah, it's quite a lot of research happening in that field and quite exciting, which I'm sure I'll carry on next year yes, as be- well in Boston. Because I, I, that's exactly where I was going to go with the fact that right now with the pandemic, you no longer are looking at um, um, your metabolic metabolic rate and, and that related to HIV and diabetes only. There's now COVID, which, mm-hmm. which I suppose then adds another dimension. It really does. So it's so heavily intertwined because COVID is more common in patients with diabetes. It's more common in patients with HIV. Mm. And it's bringing out a lot of um, problems, heart attacks, strokes, clots in the leg. So, yeah, all intricately connected and quite exciting also at the same time to find new drug targets and work on this 
this new pandemic that we can try get a hold of. What do we know so far? I mean, I know it's still early days. Um, the other day, it was what hundred days since the actual um, WHO declared it a, a global pandemic. So it wasn't a hundred days; it was mm-hmm. six months, correct? And and so yeah. it was. It's been a very short time, but so much has happened and we obviously are seeing the number of patients that we're seeing. In terms of long-term effects, and it's, it's, you know, we're scrambling here. In terms of what people are experiencing after their recovery, what can you tell us? Mm. So, look, this is very dynamic Mm. at the moment and nothing is set in stone because we have no long-term data as such. Yeah. But we know that COVID boils down to vessels. It's an endothelial or what we call a microvascular disease as such. So it has such far-reaching effects. So we actually don't know in a year's time, in 10 to 20 years' time, what the effects of this are going to be. We're treating it currently as an immediate disease. But at the moment, we're seeing a lot of fatigue in people um, after people who've had covid We're seeing a lot of, like I've mentioned, heart disease. It brings out diabetes earlier in people, um, what it's seen. So we are seeing a lot of like other diseases that are also coming up, which, yeah, there's a lot of amazing research in South Africa, in Johannesburg, actually going on at the moment. And And I'm really interested to see the vaccine trials as well. And and I ask you specifically for this because the, the diseases that you've been focusing on are chronic illnesses so these are you know you've got a long-term solution that you have to look at when you treat your patients yes Mm. so definitely yeah it's a disease that it needs control from patients themselves and it needs control from the healthcare field as well Mm. and it needs that constant interaction to keep these chronic diseases under check so that people can live healthy um, happy lives yes And one really important aspect of chronic diseases is a lot of them are preventable or you can delay the onset of it. And this actually starts from when we're really young and people don't realize that, that little things you do when you're young, little decisions you make can actually alter the trajectory of your medical illness in life. Mm. So that's something also that's important research that I'm looking forward to doing. Yeah. And and I was going to ask you about that in saying, you know, with with the the the, the new the fellowship that's coming up. What what are you specifically looking to find there? So I'm working in the metabolic unit mm-hmm. of a huge hospital in Boston called Mass Gen Hospital. Yes. And the focus of the research is looking at metabolic problems in HIV mm-hmm. and just a whole lot of research around that. So What we're looking at is different aspects within um, HIV and what targets we can use to make people with HIV live healthier and to prevent metabolic complications such as diabetes, heart attacks, strokes, um, high cholesterol, for example. Mm -hmm. So really dynamic, really interesting field, but very broad. It's difficult for me to encompass it in Mm -hmm. one short conversation. Mm. And, 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 and so are we seeing that you are likely to um, participate in the improvement of the kind of treatments that we currently have for these particular groups? Yeah, definitely. So we know South Africa is the epicenter of the HIV pandemic. We've got 70% of the world's cases are found in sub-Saharan Africa, which is astounding if you hear it like that. 
So to do this research in this world-class center, and I can bring back concepts and new ideas to back to the epicenter where we live mm-hmm. and then make changes. So on a practical level, we can decide which are the best ARVs for people to be using. What other drugs that treat, for example, hypertension and diabetes should we preferably be using? Um, what behaviors should people be doing to keep themselves healthier, people with HIV? So a lot of questions that we're looking to answer. I'm interested in in how that will translate since we've been told that sometimes geography plays a lot into what type of medicine works best for a specific type of group of people. Um, I could be wrong because I'm not a doctor or a no, scientist. No, no you're 100% right. But, but um you know, you would be then conducting these studies in the U.S. I'm interested in how then that feeds into what we do here, since there are distinct different geographies with people, I suppose, with distinct different DNAs. I could be, as I said, I could be completely off here. No, 100% right. So what's really exciting about Boston is they actually, they conduct worldwide research that um, the base is in Boston. Mm. So a lot of their clinical trials, there are several that are based in South Africa, Ah. even around the world. So we actually compare and contrast Mm. um, the different drugs or whatever we're researching around the world. So we'll do it in what we call low-income countries like South Africa, as Mm. well as higher-income countries across Europe and um, America. So when we make recommendations or when research makes recommendations, we try to do it in the context of the country mm. that we're looking at. Mm. So it's still, it's 100% relevant um, what we're doing in the context of South Africa. Okay. And and I think we have, we've got to recognize the fact that we've come a long way in this, in the sense that, I mean, at some point, um, the medicines that were used for uh, patients living with HIV and AIDS were very different to where we are now. So there's been massive improvements mm. and also a cost Definitely. factor has to come in here. Um, and is that yeah. part of what, what has to go into this to be factored in, in terms of the costing of these medicines and treatments that we end up coming up with? Yeah. So, Joe, we've had amazing milestones if we look at the history of HIV and the ARV rollout. So at a wonderful stage at the moment now when we have safer ARVs to use. Yes. And costing is a huge thing because... We need to look at the immediate cost of what the ARVs cost, but also the cost of prevention of healthcare that they afford us. Mm-hmm. By giving a certain type of ARV, we may prevent a disease in the future, which has huge implications for the country as a whole and the health um, sector. So, yeah, very important what you've mentioned, looking at costing and choosing the right um, healthcare interventions. Mm. And, you know, I just want to touch a little bit on your background because it, it, it always mm-hmm. strikes me that people who are better placed to do this kind of work are people with lived experiences that are very close to to, to these people or at least have witnessed it. And you, you talk of how you grew up in rural Transkei with your parents being teachers and so on, but you've witnessed mm-hmm. what a public health can achieve in, in spaces where there is very, very little to go around. Yeah, so you're right. Um, Your experiences shape you. And I see myself staying in the healthcare sector and government for many years to come. Mm. And it's just by seeing other healthcare professionals and just other professionals making such a difference in the rural and the government sector. So growing up, I really admired my parents. 
they drove out 60 kilometers one way every day to a school they loved teaching at. They had wonderful relationships with their pupils, but it was a sector, like we said, that was poorer. Mm. But the heart of these people was amazing, and they had such ambition, and my parents speak proudly of their pupils that became doctors and engineers and lawyers. Mm. And I'd often visit the school, and it was really inspiring. Mm. And even further than this, I did my rural training in northern KZN, and also just seeing there... I think they're just people in your life that you work with that just shape your attitude. Mm. And just seeing people there that want to make a change, um, it's sort of just shaped where I want to stay in the trajectory of my career. Mm. I want to make a difference for the greater good in the field that I love, which is endocrinology Mm. and metabolism. Being a woman in the sector, uh, as as you hear and you've been hearing, I'm sure now for a couple of days, a lot of talk around mm-hmm. women empowerment, a lot of talk around um, happening during this Women's Month celebrations. H- how does it mm-hmm. land with you and, and, and what impact does, um, you know, the, the conversations have for you as an individual? So I think it really empowers me. And I feel really lucky because women before me have paved the way and men for where I am today. So I feel very lucky to have equal opportunity to be chosen for this Discovery Award. Um, And it's because of the time I'm in now. But I'm also cognizant of ongoing gender-based violence and disempowerment of women that's happening around the world. And I'm also really enlightened and um, empowered by people who are trying to make a difference in this field and it's something that really touches close to my heart as well. Yeah. Look, I, I don't want you to feel too bad about the fact that it is exciting times. You know, when, when a virus mm-hmm. comes through, um, it's difficult for many, but I'm sure for someone like yourself, it's a new challenge. Um, it is something that you're all looking to, to try and understand better. So don't feel bad about the fact that it's also <laughs> exciting from a professional <laughs> point of view. And I, and I cannot wait to you for you to actually leave and get on with the business mm-hmm. of trying to solve other bigger problems problems as well. All the best to you. Thank you so much for talking to us. Thank you so much. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Absolute pleasure. Dr. Sumi Thomas, um, she's a specialist uh, physician and she's at the moment um, with Laradong Hospital and she knows she's just been giving us um, both sides of the coin, the difficulties and and some of the things that are exciting that that they're they're working on, the research that they're working on. And she is the recipient of the Discovery Foundation Fellowship. Um, She was meant to have left already. it's obviously COVID times. She hasn't left, but she will eventually leave when, when the borders are open to go and, and do more research in metabolism of HIV and diabetes patients in, in the kind of medicines that she's been looking at. So that's, that's her. And we will obviously look forward to talking to her when eventually she does get to leave.